Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 115. Thank you for tuning in, and be sure to hit that like, subscribe, or follow button. You can also check me out at knac.com for exclusive interviews that can only be found at theloudest.com on the planet. My guest for this episode is Davey Muse. He has a new project out called Hematite. It's an interesting little mix of the Wild Wild West meets experimental rock and roll. You might remember Davey from his time heading up the hardcore punk rock band Vanna. For his latest project, Hematite, he's teamed up with Andrew Galtier of Big 50, and they are ready to release their debut EP, Speak of the Devil, on March 31st. I've given this EP a few spins. I can't get it out of my head. I was impressed by its uniqueness, and I know that you will be too. I had a nice long chat with Davey to talk about the EP and Vanna and more. So here's Davey Muse of Hematite. If I knew absolutely nothing about Hematite, how would you describe the band's music to me? Uh, you know, uh, here's how this is. Uh, this is sort of, I never describe it with like actual like sounds. It sounds like uh, Johnny Cash and Nine Inch Nails took a road trip in the desert and Depeche Mode was in the backseat getting stoned. That's like the best way that I can like describe it. Um, you know, it's like me and Andrew, uh, my partner in this, in, in crime here, um, in this, um, band we're both from heavy music you know we come from a heavy music world so you know we're big fans of lots of other kind of stuff and for a while i kind of wanted to like do i always said when i like had like left um like kind of metal music i was like i'm a, I'm going to country that's what i'm doing next i'm going to country um so this is like our version of like modern western modern kind of whatever so it's got it's got dark elements um, of like Western um, and like, you know, a, like, you know, really sad Johnny Cash vibes to it. But then there's like a lot of like electronic stuff and weird heavy stuff, kind of like Nine Inch Nails, things that we do. And then, of course, there's like playing them live. I'm actually because we've been practicing for our shows. I've been realizing like more and more like when you play with a because we have a full band now. I'm like, this is like a straight rock band. Like it, it hits pretty cool. Um, I was actually really surprised myself, but the riffs are like there. And it's like, there's like certain bands that like, you know, I'll go see a, a country band live. Um, and I'll, I, I actually just went to go see a country band and I got to like meet up with them afterwards. And I'll, I asked all the guys in this band, I was like, did y'all all play heavy music before this? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, you could tell, man, you could tell from the way that people play stuff. So yeah, I guess that's, a, it's a, our interpretation of, um, some western so i try to say it's kind of just like uh like kind of like gothic western rock uh songs you can drive in your car to you know what i mean stuff like that and the the for this particular ep that you're releasing it's just yeah. you and andrew galtier uh on the album pretty much yep. doing everything how did yeah. you how did you two come together for this project? So Andrew and I both have been like from the heavy world. I played in uh, bands like uh, Vanna and Trove and he played in He Is Legends to Speak of Wolves. Um, and then he's been doing the Nashville thing for a while. He's in Nashville now. Um, he's from Louisiana originally. And we met years ago and we just kind of had this like vibe. And I like love the guy. I loved all the stuff. He posts all these photo uh, videos and playing guitar. And I'm like, dude, this dude is 
crazy at music, right? So um, we were talking about doing a project together and just kind of like everything else during COVID, we were talking about like, oh, what it would be like. I really want to, I told him I want to do this like spooky Western project. And he was like, it's basically the same in his mind. He said, I've been writing music to go to like, like spooky music to go to like horror movies. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like that's in his mind, he's like scoring things. So he came to Portland, um, kind of like once they were able to like lift mandates and you could travel again. And we had went out, had some beers and just like had a great time. It's like one of the first people I hung out with like post pandemic. And um, we just started talking about this project, talking about, talking about it. So he had a couple of weeks where he had some busy stuff going on. And then uh, he hit me with a, like basically like the EP almost essentially. He's like, I have a bunch of demos. Tell me what you think. Is this the vibe? And I played the first song and I was like, I stopped it and immediately texted him. And I was like, send me everything you have. This is exactly the vibe. It was so weird. It was like, it, I again, like maybe, you know, I should have learned how to play guitar better years ago and all this other stuff and wrote it myself. But I love collaborating with people and his vision on things, though, like we're the same in our backgrounds, he's been in country for like the last couple of years. Um, the reason why he's not on this podcast with us right now is because he tours in a band called Maddie and Tay. They're like a country duo. Um, pretty big. He's on a cool tour right now. So, um, so he's in it. Right. So he understands a lot of like the dynamics of stuff. So he's writing all this stuff and he's like, I, me and my friends love this. And apparently he had sent it to a couple other people too, that maybe tried to put their vocals on it. And it just kind of, sat with mine really well um i have a i have a deep gravelly raspy voice uh kind of meant for it um so it's funny because we started demoing the songs i started sending to my friends being like is this good and everyone was like dude this is where your voice needs to be like metal sure because you're then also here you know so it kind of just clicked we just started like pumping out tracks and we settled on these five um, and I couldn't be happier with him. And it was all done virtually. He was in Nashville. I was here in Portland. I have a studio here. Um, so he would, he recorded everything. Our buddy, um, Trevor, uh, and Ray, uh, they're a married couple. They produce stuff over in Nashville and they, they understood the project cause it's a weird project, right? So you bring this to people and they're like, I don't really know to, I like this. I just don't know how to place it, where to put it, especially with me previous to this only really doing like heavier music um but these they got it and they produced the the ep for us and it it sounds you know you know more incredible than the demos could have ever sounded um and yeah we just kind of started releasing stuff and getting people's vibes and it's funny hearing what people hear in the songs like because i'm i'm usually like well what do you think it sounds like uh and it's funny what what i'm kind of receiving i love i love it honestly it's pretty cool so the EP's name is Speak of the Devil. It comes yes, out sir. on March 31st. Mm-hmm. Are you guys releasing this on your own or do you are you working yeah. in conjunction with someone? So Andrew and I being like in the industry for so long, like have the wherewithal, we were like, we could just release this ourselves, you know. I did send it to a bunch of um bunch of folks in in the industry that I'm friends with, and I got a lot of really good feedback. But, it, you know, putting something like this on a metal label or a hardcore label or something like that, like, you know, unless they're very large, doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'm also of the belief that, um, I don't know, man, when I put something out myself, I really like, not only do I own it, and if there is mo- any money to be made on it, you're going to make a little bit of, you know, a few nickels and dimes here and there. 
but it's something about it that just like i'm proud of that like i i released this you know and it's the um i guess it would probably be like the third or fourth record i've released on my own um and it's not you know it's not that hard of a process to do of course uh you know labels have money behind them and a bunch of that stuff so but you know we hadn't really even made a splash yet you know what i mean this is the first this is the first this is our you know the flagship ep this is the first thing anyone's hearing so it just made more sense for us to just do it ourselves. Um, and, you know, Andrew and I are both grown men with, uh, you know, with careers. So we're not like 19 year olds scrapping uh, and hoping someone would pick it up. Um, so it's cool because like for us, it's like we really want to get into the world of like movies, TV streaming, video games. Like, you know, we've both done a lot in our lives, a lot of touring, and we see this project in media, in other media. You know what I mean? Um, you know, theme songs, movie scores, you know, whatever. Um, we have a couple friends that are pitching, uh, have meetings with like Netflix and Hulu and are pitching shows right now that we're going to hopefully be a part of that. Um, that's where we kind of see it. So I think owning at least the first EP is a really good idea for us because we can kind of freely put it where we need to put it. Um, and <clears throat> just a lot of freedom within that. So like you trade a good amount of promotion for the freedom to have everything, but um, and as you know, we got the wonderful folks at uh, WTF uh, publicity to help us out. Um, you know, Tori has been a really good friend of mine for a long time. She super believed in the project. So it's cool to go back and work with people I've worked with a decade ago and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's kind of just, we're just doing this like organically. There's no, um, there's no timeline. There's no, except for our timeline, you know what I mean? There's nothing nothing saying we can or cannot do anything unless it's us. So uh, right now it's cool to have that freedom. And uh, not that I wouldn't be super stoked to get this project to take off and go places. But for right now, this project's really about Andrew and I writing some music and playing music that we like truly love. I, I think the first like interview I ever gave, I said like, I don't give a shit if people don't listen to this or listen to it. I, it would be cool if you did, but <clears throat> for me, it's really about like reconnecting to music for me, this project um, and actually can, can, kind of taking the business out of it completely. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been really organic and fun. And uh, you know, if a label out there is interested in stuff in the moving forward in the future, you know, we will, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But for right now, like it's cool, just like owning your own shit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the songs. If you could kind of give me a background on what inspired the song Switch Switchblade Serenade. Yeah. So um, I have this like, a lot of these songs are like come from like a very sarcastic point of view. Um, you know, I'm 38 years old. So uh, I wasn't the same guy I was when I started touring at, you know, 19 and 20. Um, and this record is kind of sarcastically poking fun at like sort of, I don't know, the guy that I think I used to be um, in a way. Um, Switchblade Serenade is such like a, um, it's kind of like a satire anthem of toxic male energy. You know what I mean? Like who's the toughest, who's got the, you know, well, let's fight about it. You know what I mean? Um, so the song is kind of like dancey and uh, it's almost like very like, you know, spaghetti Western Mexican style guitars and everything in it, which is very cool. So I thought like in my head, it's so very dancey that in my head uh, that the song is about like squaring up with another dude. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and who's tougher, but in my head, the song's so dancey that this fight is happening 
with like switchblades, but they're just, they're just both dancing like next to each other. The like least like tough guy thing you could do. Um, so that whole, that whole song is just like kind of poking fun at toxic masculinity. Um, you know, who's got the bigger, bigger switchblade. Let's find out, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, a <clears throat> maybe old songs I've written in the past have called out like situations or things I've gone through. And this is kind of directly this, a lot of stuff on this could directly like calls out like, the foolishness that I, uh, that I, um, you know, that I used to be. Um, I, 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 a fan of this band, uh, every time I die and, you know, we got to tour with those guys a long time ago. And I remember their, um, singer Keith had done an interview about, they had like, they were talking about these three records and he's like, Oh, well, this record was about when I was like 21 and like, I knew everything and no one could tell me anything and fuck you. And then this record was like about when I was like 25 to 30 and I was like, Hey, I'm really sorry for being like, like that. It wasn't at all like that way. And then the next record was like, actually a little bit of both are true. A little bit of fuck you from before and a little bit of, I'm sorry. So I think I'm on my little bit of fuck you and a little bit of I'm sorry record. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about big bad wolf? Yeah. So, okay. So not to get like crazy emotional, but my dad passed away, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago. Um, and that experience was like, you know, I went through most of my life with a weird relationship with my father. Um, like a lot of, uh, dudes from new England <laughs> that seemed to happen, uh, you know, a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, in his final, you know, weeks and days and hours, I got to spend his last week of his life with him. And, um, I really like came to understand my dad a lot more. Um, and his memorial service, um, was just like one of the most beautiful things I've ever been to. And it was interesting because it, everybody that was in his life, um, after a certain point knew a completely different guy than anyone that knew him because he like actively made this change. Right. And when you do change like that, and I've been going through that sort of in my life, which is funny because I'm right around the age my dad was when he um, met his new spouse and had a beautiful 15 year relationship with him. And, you know, I'm like, right. I'm approaching that, that bracket of age. And where I know my dad made this conscious effort that was like, I can't make these people happy. So I'm going to have to live with like being a scapegoat for a lot of anger and a lot of like, whatever. And that's okay. Cause I have to take that because I was that guy, but then there's this whole entire future that he lived, um, where no one has that narrative of him. And that's because he changed his, his whole tune. And when I went to go, this is a long story to get this explanation, but when I went to go visit my dad in the hospital, um, I hadn't been playing music for about two years at this point. Um, I had kind of walked away from music for a while, um, concentrating on other things. I also got into like a car accident. COVID was a thing. Like there's a lot of things that like rocked my 2020 to like almost currently. Um, so, uh, and just like a lot of people went through a lot of different, like crazy things during that time. Um, I told my dad and, you know, like, he's like, so why aren't I, have, I haven't seen you release any new music? And I was like, oh man, like, I'm just kind of, resetting laying low figuring out my stuff like you know I, I it took a long time for me to like go back and kind of sort of wade through the good and the bad of the last 15 years of me touring and I just needed a break you know I was doing other stuff I transitioned to full-time photography and videography I was trying to buy a house doing all this like kind of stuff that was separate from like 
Cause when I do music, I like throw my whole ass self into it. And he kind of like looked at me and this, here's this man. That's like, this was like second to last day that he was alive. And he was like, I don't, I don't understand that. He didn't understand. Like, I get that you're trying to, but like the things I was telling him, he was like, when is adversity or when is what people think about you or anything ever stopped you from doing what you love? And like, when your father tells you that on his deathbed, that like shoots you straight in the heart, man. Um, And I figured out that I was more like my dad in a very positive way than I ever thought I was. So I wrote Big Bad Wolf because I really feel like me and my dad have those similarities of we were both the big bad wolf, whether we were someone's actual enemy or we were kind of like a myth of an enemy, like, Oh, everyone's afraid of the big bad wolf. Um, but in, in reality, like uh, the, the, the lyrics kind of wrap around to like finding people in your tribe is sort of loosely about my wife. Who's also maybe a wolf. They're also wolves. You know what I mean? Like that they maybe had this sort of life, but like, with a pack, with a team, with a community, you can kind of be who you are. So um, I wrote that song kind of about me and my dad. And I, there was the first song that we released and it was uh, the day that the song went up was a year to the date of my dad passing or the week that my dad passed. So it was a pretty special moment for me uh, and a big win for me and my dad. So um, again, I like literally released that song and I was like, I don't care if this has no plays. This is for my dad. You know what I mean? This is for me and my dad. Um, I had written a couple songs. And the reason why I'd done it is I'd written a couple songs earlier in my career in Vanna that were about my dad, you know, before I really understood. And my anger was definitely valid. You know what I mean? And my dad had, and I have never acknowledged that because he came back into my life and we were working on things for years and we've never acknowledged. I wrote kind of a shitty song about him and literally like, I'm not kidding you before, like we went to sleep that night. He was like, well, I really want you to write songs again because I think I need a better song. And that was the first moment that I, he he admitted to me that he knew that I wrote a song about him a decade ago. Um, so it was like a cool full circle moment. So big, bad wolf, baby, be afraid. <laughs> now with the song run devil run you kind of incorporated that work you did on the side with photography and video yeah. videography by directing and editing the video so if you want to talk a little bit about yeah. the song and then into the video and how you put that together sure yeah this project's cool because i can do that i've been doing uh photography and videography uh you know kind of unlike a lot of things in my life where I had to learn in the public eye, like I learned how to be a front man in van in the public eye. And like it, sometimes you look stupid. Sometimes you don't do it right. So for photography, I kind of was working behind the scenes. Like I didn't want to tell anybody for a while. And about, I think about five years ago, I kind of posted my first photo and I'm like, Hey, I've been working. This is like what I'm trying to like transition into. I was around photographers my whole career in music and constantly working with visual creators. And I, I then kind of transitioned over after the band to um, working in management and I was doing lots of like photo and video and aesthetic stuff with bands. So it kind of was like this natural progression for me. Um, so when this project came up, it was cool because I don't have to hire a videographer. I don't have to hire, I don't have to hire anybody. I can kind of do it, you know, insular and just us. So um, it, Andrew was super down with me doing all the artwork and all the visuals and all that kind of stuff. And I, I absolutely love it. I do it for a living. It's my favorite thing ever. And when you're writing these songs, like I said before, 
I have these visuals playing in my mind. You know, when I hear a song, I'm already, whether I ever make it or not, the music video is happening in my head, no matter what, when I'm hearing these songs, you know what I mean? So um, my wife actually, um, about a year ago, I own a media company um, that we do a lot of freelance work, music videos, photo shoots, whatever. And I just needed help. I really needed help with stuff. And, you know, hiring out someone would be tough because, you know, making, you know, just making whatever it's a, it's, you know, humble beginnings of it. But my wife has like this amazing eye. She would take my camera and just like shoot me and then give it back. And I'm like, how did you do this? Like, how are you this good? So about a year ago, she just was like, Hey, I want to do this with you. So she started shooting all my, all the music videos that I was doing photo shoots. Uh, we saw uh, what a hot sauce expo here in Portland, like lots of cool stuff. So she's great at this. So for run double run, I knew in my head that I have this like idea of this like devil on the run, you know what I mean? And this video is kind of capturing him in his moments of like, rest you know sure i could have like i don't know shown like car chases and a bunch of stuff which i did consider but we went out to the oregon coast it was beautiful one day uh, a couple weeks ago and we just went out there and she painted my makeup and that devil in the video is me uh, but we have like a full prosthetic mask and makeup on and everything and we got to be creative together at the beach and our dog was with us and it was just like a beautiful day and a beautiful thing to do and I got home and cut the video. And to be fair, my wife shot that whole video. I'm in it and I edited it, but my wife shot the whole entire thing. Um, and it's like a, it's a cool thing to be able to work with the people that you love um, and be like, you know, like we got a premiere for the video. And I was like, babe, you have, you got a premiere. And she doesn't, you know, she works, she doesn't, she does a, she's a smart egghead of a human being and works for a giant uh, corporation. So this is a fun thing for her to do this kind of stuff. So it was fun to see her do that. And uh, I think the video came out awesome. Um, you know, in my head, it's kind of like, almost it's almost like a trailer for a show. You know what I mean? Like it could be like a trailer for a show, the way it's all clipped together. So, and also for me, it kind of inches me every time I make a music video, it inches me closer and closer to wanting to make like a short movie, you know what I mean? Which I feel like eventually I will do. Um, but yeah, it's cool being able to do, make the music and then create the visuals that are in your head when you're making the music. So I, I had a blast doing, and run double run is my favorite song in the record. Like hands down, we play it live and we, we went through it the first time live and the band, we were like, okay, that song rocks. Like that is a rocking song. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's my favorite and I can't wait to, to share it with people. The next song on the EP is Go West. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is you going from New England to out West in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, good, 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 uh, good eye there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, my wife just came in real quick. Um, yeah, so that song is actually about her and I. Um, the voice in it, that uh, female voice is her. Um, and uh, yeah, man, we just kind of hit a point where, you know, I have so much love for New England and I always will. Um, it's, it's where I'm from. It's my home. Every time I go back there, uh, you know, I'm dropping my R's right away. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I love it. My parents are still out there. My best friends are still living out there. Um, I hit a wall out there for me. I hit a point where I was like, I just don't feel like this is the place for me to be anymore. Um, to like live at least, you know, and for me, it's like, you know, I, okay. So I have all of this, like not baggage, but I have a whole entire life in new England. 
my wife is from Canada and she moved over and she was sick of the cold. And when we moved over, we moved to Maine. So like <laughs> you get about three months, that's beautiful. And the rest is freezing. Um, and we just really felt like we needed to like make our own way, pave our own path, go somewhere that's we're both not from, but a place that we can, we can belong to. So, um, you know, touring allows you to visit all these cities and go, wow, I can live here. I can live here. So Oregon is like new England on steroids. It's like the mountains are like bigger. The trees are bigger, but it's like the same. It's got a big and like New Hampshire vibe to it, but it's like huge spread out, like enormous, you know? Um, and I made a list of cities that I could see us in. And we traveled to a couple of them and I flew her out for her birthday to uh, Oregon. And we spent 72 hours and like just partied Oregon style. And at the end of that, she was like, yeah, I can live here. And we moved like within a couple months. Um, and it was hard because when you move away from a lot of your like close friends, there is this like thing that sometimes happens where people go, well, is it me? Are you leaving? Cause you're not happy with us. And I'm like, listen, I love y'all a lot but y'all have your own businesses. Y'all have your own house. You have your things. We need our thing. And it just happens to be that our thing's not going to be here. Um, so go, go West is encapsulating a very hard decision that we both made um, to, to, to come out here and, and find ourselves and who we are and who we're going to be. And it was honestly one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life. You know, planes exist. I'm going home in two weeks, I'm going back to Boston in two weeks. Um, so, you know, my mom is a little bit sad. My mom is a, uh, you know, she lives in New Hampshire. She's a little bit sad that I'm not always there, but, um, it's really just kind of a testament to like, you got to make your own way. You know, I love my friends. I love my mom, but they're not gonna, they're not going to provide the things that I need for me in my life. I have to do that. And sometimes you got to like take a little bit of a leap and get out there and do that. So, you know, for me, for, I think for both of us, it wasn't too scary. She immigrated down from Canada and that's like something no one she knows has done. I've been touring around the world for years. Like it kind of just was like, but as soon as we got here, man, it just, it just made sense. I will tell you though, when I did get here, a bunch of my friends moved here from other States, like almost at the exact same time we did. And, uh, I was carrying around that Boston chip on my shoulder for a really long time. You know what I mean? I had to like, I had to chill out, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, yeah, I love it out here. And that song is kind of encapsulating it. And that quote that my wife is saying in that song is a quote that she has said to me since like, we've been together for 13 years. So it's something that she said to me over a decade ago. It was just like, yeah, man, I love you. I don't care where we go. I, I, I'm not, you know, we're not going to live in Canada. We're not going to live in, you know, we decided not going to live in New England. So let's go anywhere. It doesn't really matter where it is. Like I'll go anywhere as long as we're together. And, you know, I kind of wrote it knowing a lot of folks in my life that kind of found, found love or found a job that they loved and they had to leave everything they knew. And it's just kind of like a, everything's going to be okay. Go after your happiness. You got to do it, you know? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. The final song in the album is Adios, appropriately titled, if you want to yeah. talk about that one. Yeah. Um, so Adios is kind of like, uh, it was funny because Andrew sent it to me. And I don't know why, but it just made me like, I just, the vibe of it 
I just kept on saying adios after that part every time. So I kind of based it around the word adios. And I'm like, what am I saying? What am I saying adios to? You know what I mean? Um, and um, I feel like I've, you know, um, like a lot of people in life, I feel like as I've grown and as I've like changed and always kind of like pursued to try to be better. Um, and that's like not a, a braggy thing. I think for me, I, I, I had to, I had to rise out of the person that I had. I was in my twenties, you know? Um, I think I was a kick-ass kid up until after high school. And I went through a lot of emotional damage. I went through a lot of physical damage. I, I did a lot to myself. And as you age and as you grow and you move away from certain, not maybe even, maybe physically, maybe, uh, maybe it's just sort of like, the theme of your life is you're moving away from certain people and it's ne necessarily not an offense to them. It's more, it's more about the fact that I'm a piece of shit and I need to go get better. And I can't, you know, it's like some people that can have a problem with drinking and they can just cut their drinking down completely. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I can just, I just cut it down. I got a little crazy, but now I'm good. And then there's some people who are alcoholics. They're like, if a drink touches my lips, I'm gonna fucking lose it. So what do they do? They remove themselves from scenarios that they know is not healthy for them. That's kind of like where I was at with like a lot of like situations and people in my life. But as you do that, you collect enemies, you collect foes that like aren't happy that you've left. Or what do you think you're better than us? You think you're whatever. Um, and I've actually even been guilty of that in my earlier years of people, hey, I'm moving to this. And then like, listen, guys, I can't be a part of this. And I'm like, oh, you can't be a part of us? Well, that's fucked up. But really like, it's for them. It's not for me to decide. So adios to me is just like, there's a line in it that's just, I'll see you when I see you and we'll see how it goes. Because I want everybody to say adios to the things in their lives that don't suit them anymore. And then there's this thing where like, I have kind of re-met friends from that, er that earlier twenties and time period. And they're married, they have kids, they move. And we talk about how every single conversation I have had with these people who have also then progressed their lives have been like, dude, I had to leave. I had to go. I had to get out of there. It wasn't them. It was me. But I do hear tricklings of the other people. And it's like, they're still talking shit. And I'm like, guys, come on. You know what I mean? So the thing is like, again, it's kind of like you got to pursue your happiness and it's, there's no, there's no animosity. It's just like a, it's just like a adios, man. Like it's all good. It's not to get, it's not get the fuck out of here. It's not never speak to me again. It's just like, I'll see you when I see you and we'll see how it goes. I hope it's good. I hope that we both have kind of moved on in our lives um, from, from this to that. So that's kind of what adios is about. It's like a, you know, hey, it's all good, brother. We'll see you another time, okay? You know, fade in, fade into the distance, and we'll see you another time. And it's good that you could recognize all that, and you could take it upon yourself to kind of remove that negativity that yeah. bringing you down. Because there's definitely plenty of people who kind of don't get it. That they just, why does this keep happening to me? Or I want someone else to make this problem go away. I don't want to take the action myself. Totally. And that's the thing is the first thing it starts with is you, because all you can do in this world is control what you do and how you react and the, the moves that you make through this world. So like, I got to take responsibility for that. And when you do that, and you know, this is a guy talking with lots of therapy and, you know, a, a very amazing wife who's helped him through the entire world. 
when you do that, the angers, I don't have anger for them. I don't have anger for any of y'all. I, I, in fact, I really hope that you find the things that I've found in life that are worth like leaving for. Uh, you know, I, I hope you find the love and the the situations and the places and the things that you want that lets you, allows you to detach from your old self. So no animosity, no hate. I hope the best for you, man. Honestly, like even if you're like still like, fuck that dude. I'm like, hey man, maybe one day you might realize why I left and you might be in a situation too. And when that happens to you, I hope the fucking best for you, brother. Like, that's it. Like, I I, I want everybody, you can, I, I want everybody to let each other live. We don't all have to be friends, but like, just let everybody do their thing and live. So and it's not always about you. You know what I mean? Don't, we're such a selfish people where we say, was that me? Did I do something wrong to you? You know? Um, so, you know, that that's kind of a song is just like, let's be easy, you know? Maybe, maybe when I see you, we'll get a handshake. Maybe when I see you, we'll give a hug. Maybe when I see you, it's just one of these things. And we're like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? Just kind of that stuff. I just want everybody to be chill. Is the new EP going to be available in physical copies at like your shows or something, or are you just going to stick strictly with the digital stuff? I'm a big vinyl guy. You know, I'm a big vinyl guy. Yeah. I'm a big cassette guy too. Here's the thing. Vinyls and cassette have this certain like cool nostalgia to them, but it's still, you're still able to like play them. You know, I listen to vinyls every day in my house. I got a tape deck thing as well. Like, I don't have a tape deck in my car anymore. I wish I did, but I don't, but there's something about that physical thing, but I have been against CDs for a very long time, pretty much since they like, they don't make put CD players in cars anymore. You know what I mean? Now I know a lot of people that have a CD collection at home and it's a, so that's cool too. Um, it's just hard to do like vinyl tapes and CDs. And if I'm going to choose, it's going to be vinyls first, tape second, CDs last. I think that we're going to try to cut some vinyls for this. I'd be really interested in doing it. I have this album cover that I did. So I shot the, I shot all the album covers or single covers and the album cover. I have more artwork that goes with that album cover. That's just the shot that is the album cover. So I'd love to put that in like a fold out, um, I love that. I'm like a nerd about that kind of stuff. I'd love to get like swirl pattern vinyls. So I think I'm going to work on trying to get vinyls. They might, it might take a little bit of time. Again, there's no label um, behind it. This is a shout out. If any label wants to put out the vinyl, let's go, let's do it. I would love to, I would love to do a physical copy. Yeah. Cause I think there's something special about owning a piece of it, you know? Um, you know, and with, with almost every vinyl now you get a digital download. So, you know, you can still have it on your phone, everything else. But, you know, I know people that buy vinyl and don't even have a record player. They just put it on their walls. They just collect it, you know. So, yeah, I'm a big vinyl guy. Everything in, I did in Vanna, pretty much almost everything we made sure there was a vinyl for. Um, yeah, I love it. So, yeah, I think I think the answer is yes. I think at our shows, we'll have a small amount of select merch that I'm making, but it's like very different kind of merch. It's like functional merch for old people. So it's like coffee mugs, ashtrays, water bottles, um, stuff like that. So yeah, well, hopefully we'll have some vinyl. That'd be cool. <laughs> Functional for old people. I thought you were going to be like a bottle of Advil with the band logo on it. A, little, a pack of Tums, some Pepto-Bismol for everybody. And I, and by the way, I, I, I put myself in that old people group right there. I'm just making merch that I'm like, what would I want to have around the house? You know, like stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, you do have a gig coming up April 14th in Portland, Oregon, uh, Mano Occulta, I assume yeah. it's a local venue. 
Uh, you're opening for Shaffer James. Yeah, yeah. We're really excited about that. So Mano Occulta is uh, a newer venue in Portland. Um, I just happen to also be an owner of that venue. Uh, so it's a double dip in the pen a little bit. But um, yeah, it's a it's an amazing venue and Mexican restaurant. Um, the owner, uh, Jeff, is one of my best friends. He also plays in Hematite. And um, so, yeah, we got this gig uh, with Schaefer James and Sarah in the safe word. And I'm excited because it's going to be a it's going to be my first show in three years. B, it's going to be such a different environment for me to play in. Um, it's, uh, it's like 21 plus. It's like it's a whole different world for me. And I'm really excited to start because I'm a, I'm a connection guy. Right. I love making connections, doing podcasts like this. Uh and, you know, making these lasting friendships. So I'm excited to get back into a room with musicians, feel that energy and start making some connections in this world. You know what I mean? I, everyone's going to start somewhere. And it's, it's funny for a guy like me to kind of start at scratch again, but it's like a really cool feeling to do. Um, it's a really, th it's a thing that I need for myself. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that gig. We got a couple other gigs coming up. We haven't announced anything, but we have some potential gigs coming up. There's a show that we're waiting to hear back on that has one of like my favorite, I can tell you off camera, but it's like one of my favorite bands that I've never actually had to play with that's playing. And I'm like, oh, please let us get this show. So um, yeah, I guess, I guess now the real work begins. The record's out, the real work begins, which is just trying to play some shows, trying to get out. Oregon in general, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, they have a great country Western folk scene. Um, so it's kind of just like, I've gone to a lot of folk festivals out here and they're incredible. I'm like, you know, the whole time we're writing the record last summer, I'm going to these folk festivals and I'm like, I want to play here. Like, this is incredible. The vibe is so great. So different than metal music and hardcore music, which is also a cool vibe. There's just less punching in uh, country and, and folk music. So less punching. People's outfits are usually better and cleaner. Uh, kids, kids can go and run around and have fun. So fun for the whole family. Um, you know, so I'm excited about the show at Mano. So yeah, if you're in the Portland area, uh, please come. What's the date again? The 14th of April, 14th right? 14th of April. You know better than I do. So um, <laughs> yeah, please come out. I think it's going to be a great, a great gig for everybody. So where did the band name come from? Okay. So that's why a lot of people don't know what the word hematite even is because it is kind of like a niche word. So hematite is a precious stone. Um, and I, when I was a kid, um, I loved collecting rocks like fossils my mother would order these like fake fossils and bury them in the backyard for me um i loved rocks i had a little like rock house where like you open the like my my grandfather was a carpenter so he made this like wooden house that looked like it's called the rock shop and you open it and there's like drawers where i put i would just collect precious stones hematite was like it's like my protection stone. It's like the thing. I don't know if any, I don't know if stones and, you know, horoscopes and are real, but I believe in everything, angels, aliens, horoscope. I believe in all of it. Um, so I wear a hematite. I think I have it. Yeah. I wear a hematite necklace around my, my neck. Um, I got a hematite stone in almost every pocket of every pair of jeans that I have that I've collected. I have one of them I've had since I was like, 20 um but i lose them but like that's the part of it is like someone else will find this and hopefully it'll bring them some good luck or protection or or balance and stability which is like what the rock is known for so yeah that's what that's what a hematite is it's just a it's just a rock and um 
you know, when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to name, I'm going to name my band Hematite. And I did it when I was 38 instead of 12. Um, so, uh, and Andrew really liked it. He was like, do you have a name for this project? And I was like, do you know what Hematite is? And he was like, oh, it's like a dark black rock. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I love that. And that was it. That was like, it was easy as that. It was just like, boom, done. Um, so I had this, I had this name in like the back of my head for like years. So it's so funny when things actually do come to fruition. So, um, and, uh, yeah, my dad was also into precious stones too. So that's like a cool little thing that we can have a connection. You know, I wear, I wear his ring every day. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's it was just kind of like this, like total, like this project has got to be called hematite. I just knew it from like the start. So yeah, that's where it comes from. Look it up folks. Google it. <laughs> that's your next merch, uh, item piece of hematite. I would absolutely love to do like hematite pendants, like with maybe like the, our logo or the H or so I'm, I'm already working on, I'm already working on looking up so far. All of the merch looks like trucker merch, like trucker companies, cigarette companies, or beer companies. That's like all that I'm coming up with, which is some of my favorite things. So that's great. Um, so uh, I know that cigarettes isn't like that good of thing, but have you ever seen like Marlboro cowboy ads or Joe Camel ads from the nineties. Like this, this shit was the greatest aesthetic I've ever seen in my life. So we're just borrowing a little bit of that kind of stuff. So yeah, we're going to for sure. And I would love to have, they have those hematite rings you can order, but they break because they're just a ring and they'll just like, they break all the time. I've had a couple of them, you know, um, people have bought since the band started people like, Oh, I got you a hematite ring on, uh, uh, while I was on vacation. I was like, Oh, thanks. But I want to do something with the hematite for sure. I'm just not sure yet what yet, but yeah, definitely. Are you still building up the social media presence for Hematite? Because I noticed you're only on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, which is, they're all pretty popular, but Facebook, your own website, something like that. So that's next. So, you know, kind of doing everything from, you know, you know ourselves from the ground up. I knew that TikTok was uh, something that happens. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I've used TikTok because my TikTok looks like DIY things around your house to build um, how farming your own food. Like, you know, I've curated it to be this thing. I'm still haven't really cracked the TikTok thing with the music. Um, you know, the stupidest of things gets the most amount of plays. So I got some TikTok stuff on deck though. I started putting hematite songs to shows like true blood, true detective, last of us, uh, Yellowstone, 1883. I started just kind of putting them together, being like, oh, this would be cool in this part. So maybe that'll get a little bit of traction. But yeah, we're building it up. Our new website is being worked on currently and it's going to be the hub for everything. I really, I come from a time where internet, when I was like hitting the music scene hard, 12, 13, 14, the internet was here. And every band, you only could know about their shit if you went to their website. You had oh. to go to their website. Or, or, well, yeah, or MySpace, right. MySpace was so great because... It was so centered around music. So here's a story about MySpace. You ready? And this is, so MySpace used to have this feature that you could look up any show, any genre in any zip area code, area code, area code, zip code, zip code. Uh, so you can go through and go uh, country music in Savannah, Georgia, March 17th and boom, right? And then all of the events would come up. So what I did, this is an early grind at the internet was like kind of like still the wild west at those times. And sometimes when new stuff comes out, you could take advantage of the fact that there's no like rules or regulations or like an oversight. So what I would do is I made a fake booking agency email 
And I would go on to MySpace. And I did this while I was on tour with my old band, like a date fell through. I'm like, all right, I'm in Tennessee. I have two days off and I'm going to be in Florida. So where do I need to show? Eh, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia. And I scroll down like metal this date, five clubs would come up with sold out shows local though. This is back also when local bands could sell out, you know, anything. And I would just message them or email them. And nine times out of 10, I'd get on the show and they would pay us. Now my band was good. They were incredible. So like that was helpful, but my space was like a cheat code. It was like, don't even book a tour. Just book one date to start one date in the beginning and just go just, just, email so yeah i miss myspace dude i really i know they tried to bring it back or something like that not that long ago but it just didn't do it didn't do it so i'm sad but yes listen if myspace comes back hematite will be the first fucking band on there with a profile i'll tell you what right now it, it's there it, it's still is there. it i, I need get to look at it i get bands pr stuff and it's it has links to their myspace page and i'm like really damn i wish it would come back but like then again here, here am I hearing that MySpace is back and not doing anything about it. So, um, yeah, so, I would love that. I've been, I've been doing this thing, well, podcasting for the last couple of years. But before, I had my own fanzine and I worked for other fanzines and stuff like that. And that's, you know, that's where people got their music news. They went direct to the website. But I've noticed, right. you know, coming back, I have to be everywhere. I can't just have a website. People aren't going to go to it. People are going to go to the things they go to every day. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, yep. whatever it is. Yep. You have to be all those places. You can't just, you can have a hub, but yeah, yeah. probably not going to find you there. They're going to find you. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing about like having that hub is like, once it's up our link in all of our bios on everything, we'll filter back to that hub. So like, we'll be able, you'll be able to watch videos. You'll be able to buy tickets. I mean, obviously there's a lot of like behind the scenes hyperlinking that has to be done, but I really like that because you can go and, uh, you know, kind of do it in one place. There's also like, as we progress, like Spotify, you can now buy merch off of Spotify. You can buy tickets to concerts off of Spotify bands in town, that app, you can buy your tickets. You can link out to everything. So eventually there's going to be all this integration so like a giant like spotify will probably end up i know they're working with bands in town i don't know if they've bought them but like you can get the bands in town up to oh you're hey you can set it so it's like this band that you love is in town in one month this band is in town in two weeks one week today a couple hours so you can you can set it all so i'm kind of waiting for some big conglomerate of all of these things to be like ah there's the hub there's the hub that everybody goes to if you're looking for band stuff. So right now it's still pretty spread out. So it's like, you got to put, again, like you said, you got to put your shit everywhere. You got to put this on every single platform. You got to watch the analytics. You got to do that. It's, it's a full-time job. It's really a full-time job just to post stuff on the internet these days. It is. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, you mentioned your past band, uh, Vanna. You you were in that band. You fronted that band from 2009 to 2017. They were more hardcore punk versus what you're doing today from the sure. Boston area. You guys were kind of mainstays uh, on the Vans Warp Tour. Yeah. What kind of what what led to sort of the band's breakup in 2017? So, um, yeah, I actually just talked about this the other day too. So, um, you know. 2016 comes around and we had just done warp tour our record all hell came out it was sort of like not sort of it was definitely the height of our career you know um we did this headliner tour that was like you know 2016 was that year that like 
stuff would happen and we'd all kind of look at each other and be like, is this really happening? This is fucking cool, man. Warp Tour, of course, was like always a huge blessing. Um, and I miss Warp Tour almost every day in my life. When the summer comes around, I think about a daydream about going to the bathroom at 8 a.m. in a porter potty, and I just miss it so much. Um, but uh I think that we got to a point where, like, after the headliner, all of the guys in the band. Now, granted, a lot of people were like you know, during that 2016 tour was like, Oh yeah, I just got your new record. I bought your first record and and your new one. And I'm like, Oh, that's cute. Everybody thinks we had one record and then all hell. When really there was like, I had four records previously. They had two before that. Um, and it's funny because a lot of our fans were newer, right? So it was nice to see that. And it was nice to see we're picking up the steam and going into our headliner, you know, same thing. I was like, man, this is cool. We're selling out some cool rooms. There's a lot more kids here. X, Y, and Z was amazing. Um, but I think that we got to a point where, you know, by that time we were all in our, well into our thirties and there started to be other opportunities that popped up for some of us, you know? Um, and there was this like, well, we're still going to do the band. We're still going to do all these things. And then uh, one of the members just happened to be my best friend kind of hit this, hit this wall. Um, and, you know, touring in a band, you know, even though we were making money, touring in a band financially drains you. Like we were making money, but we were also like living in our parents' houses or like guest bedrooms of our friends. And it's really hard to do that. Like, I, you know, I, I got, I was married while I was in Vanna uh, towards the end. Luckily my wife was from Canada. So we weren't living together yet, but like that scenario of trying to be married and live together, like when she moved down, we lived with my friends in like a four bedroom apartment for a while. And I was like, this is not it. We cannot do this. Um, so personal things start adding up. And I think it was everyone kind of had something, right? Everyone had like a reason why I don't know if like I can continue to do this full time. And now granted we're at like the height of our career. Right. And we have always said, it's better to go out on top and to drag out something, whatever. And I don't know that that was going to be our top, 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 but it felt like a, a, it felt like an appropriate time that if everyone is kind of stressed, if everyone's got these things, you know, one of our members got a tattoo apprenticeship, which he's been waiting to get like almost his whole life. And now that dude is a world famous tattooer who's booked out a year in advance. Like that's a situation that he needed to go do, you know, um, my best friend who was in the band who, uh, had to leave the band even before the farewell tour because he had to start working immediately because he's married and have a and has a beautiful four year old um, and he needed like real life came real quick and I feel I feel so good that these things these things happened so that these guys can go on and do what they have to do. It was a hard thing to break up. I I wasn't ready for it. I don't think the band necessarily was even ready for it as far as our career goes. But I think there's something to be said about kind of looking at all your dudes and being like, okay, cool. Because we had gone through a few lineups, right? I was in the band. I replaced the old singer, Chris, who's one of my best friends in the entire world. And, you know, we'd gone up through a couple lineup changes here, like a couple people. But this, this iteration has been grinding for a long time together. And it almost felt like it would be, I, and trust me, there was people suggesting on the business side that we well, replace some people. And to me, to me, that band was those five guys, you know what I mean? And the chemistry, the magic, the friction, the problems, the joys, the downs, the ups, it was us. And 
I felt like in order to make this a full-time thing where these guys don't have to worry about money, it was going to take a few more years to start really hitting it. We had just started to hit a point where we were getting popular and I just, we just really all felt that it was like, okay, cool. We're going to call it because the other option was being part-time, like a part-time band. And at that time, you know, God, I'll tell you this. If we made it to the pandemic, we would have been fine. If we made it all the way to 10, we would have two years off and then we could have kind of come back because the industry is different now. There's things that have changed. But going going part-time is like, well, a label doesn't want to release your records part-time. A booking agent doesn't want to book you part-time. You know what I mean? Like it's a sort of like it's an all or nothing kind of deal sort of. Um, so yeah, we kind of laid it to rest. We had a beautiful um, farewell tour. I cried every fucking night. Um, and then our, our, I think that our farewell show in Worcester at the Palladium, I think we threw the greatest party that Massachusetts has ever seen. We put 20 incredible bands on that show. We personally played for two hours, which is like, for me is like, I'm like, holy shit, we've never played that long. We played, we brought the old lineup of Vanna back. You know, we did some old songs. We did some new songs. We did songs together. And I think we really ended that band in a beautiful and elegant way that I'm very, very proud of. And I made the realization and I said it on stage, but I only made that realization after the tour was over. And we did this last show that Vanna was not the biggest band in the world, but we were fucking important to a lot of people. And that means more to me than record sales. That means more to me than being a band for 20 years. The impact that we made is special and it'll always have a place in my heart. And I'm really, really happy that that's the way I grew up is being on the road with my dudes. It opened my whole entire world. You know what I mean? So I'm sad that Vanna broke up. Um, I will always be sad that Vanna broke up, but it'll also, I'm very happy for everybody's forward movement um, into, into their lives. So um, kind of to shout it out, the old guys from Vanna, the old lineup, they have a new band called in spirit and they're kicking ass and they're playing shows out in new England and I, this will be the first time I'm saying it on a podcast, but Joel from Vanna and I have a new project together. Um, we've been working on it for about a year. It's been really quiet and we're starting to make a little bit of noise with it, but we also have a new project. So the, the Vanna lineups, both are going to have some sort of like, you know, thing that they got going on. So uh, that's all I, that's all the news I got on it right now, but if I can tell you, it feels really good to be playing some music with my best friend and writing some stuff and seeing this dude that, you know, he had, he got ripped away. He had to be taken away for a little while. Um, and he made a beautiful family and a daughter who I absolutely love. Uh, he married me and my wife's other best friend. So now we just have this, like this quad of like support. And even though there are all the way in Massachusetts, um, which is how I know that you guys got dumped on the other day, by the way, cause they lost power for like a whole week, but it's really amazing to start making music with him and watch him pick up dust, the, like literally dust the guitars off, restring them, like getting back into that, you know, back into that, you know, zone. for me, it's like, it's like Jordan putting on the 23 again. I'm like, there he is. He's doing his thing. So more on that pretty soon. Maybe I'll come back and I'll talk about that with Joel another time with you. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Those are, those are all the questions I have for you today, Davey. The awesome. New, uh, hematite. EP speak of the devil comes out on March 31st. Uh, I've listened to the whole thing. Fantastic stuff. Uh, I like, I, I could see it when you do your next TikTok in the background of Westworld from HBO. 
Boom. Ooh, I haven't even thought about that. I love that show. Westworld. We're going to put that right, right on the list. Any any particular season, first season, second season? Uh, maybe second season stuff where things really start to pick up. Shit starts hitting the fan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. That's that's a great idea. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with everything. And uh, maybe one day we'll see you back here in New England. Oh, man, I would love that. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for this. This means a lot to me. Once again, I want to thank Davey Muse of Hematite for coming on the Rock is George podcast. Be sure to check out their debut EP, Speak of the Devil, out on March 31st. Head over to your favorite streaming app. Take a listen to what's available. If you like what you hear, buy a physical copy when they're available. Support the artist. For all things Hematite, head over to their Instagram page, hematite.inc. I also want to thank... Tori Kravitz at WTF Publicity for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. I'll see you again soon.